Well, some of you know, uh, I spent, my wife and I, we spent a considerable amount of time in the hospital a few months ago. Uh, we were expecting a second child and had some complications, and so we were in the hospital for, for quite a while. And if, if any of you have ever spent any amount of time in the hospital, you know what that's like, right? That you kind of move in. You kind of move into the room. And uh, my, my wife kind of was making fun of me a little bit because I got tired of sleeping on the uncomfortable couches in the hospital, right? And so what I did was we have this giant bag at home that's intended to put the baby's car seat in and then you travel with it. Like if you ever fly or anything like that, it's a giant bag. And so I took the giant bag and I stuffed two three-inch memory foam pads in there and a pillow and my blanket and, and was in this giant bag and I would lug this thing into her room and I looked like I was going to war, but I did not care at all because I, and our, her little room, it had this little curtain that you could pull. And so I'd be like, okay, good night, honey. Hope you have good night and pull my little curtain and, uh, you know, and off to sleep I go. Well, as you're in there, different things, different challenges and stuff uh, emerge. And we had, a, we had a maintenance issue emerge in her room. And if you've ever spent any amount of time in the hospital, you know that the nurses do nothing about the maintenance. That's not their job. There's this whole like maintenance division, but it's a whole process. They have to submit a, a work request thing, and then the maintenance people show up whenever they need to show up. Well, all we needed to fix the maintenance issue was a screwdriver. And so as she was about to start to make her work order, I said, no, 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 no. I have this covered. You see, back in Christmas time, my wife purchased for me this thing called the Wallet Ninja. The Wallet Ninja. And I kept this in my, my back pocket, and when there was something that I knew, I had the Wallet Ninja. And I brought a, a photo of all of the different things that the Wallet Ninja can accomplish. It has a box opener if you ever need that. It has an eyeglass screwdriver if you ever need that. You can open letters. You, it has a nail puller on it. You can measure stuff if you need to. It has a can opener. It has a bottle opener. For those of you that might need that, right? It has a, a fruit peeler. It has all, a cell phone stand. And of course, it has a screwdriver. And so I pulled this thing out. Everybody was impressed. Not really. But I used it anyways. And I fixed the issue. And all because I had this 18-in-1 tool. And what I realized is that don't we love when we find the one thing that solves many things? Don't you love when you find like one thing that kind of clarifies many things, right? How many of you, you love Clorox wipes? Does anybody love a Clorox wipe? I love a Clorox wipe. I think it is the greatest invention that has ever been made. I use that stuff on everything. I would use it on my two babies if my wife would let me, right? I use that stuff on everything. Or how many of you, how many of you, you love Target? How many Target fans in the room? Come on. Oh, you are so meek out there with the Target, right? Even Target's phrase is Target run and done, done right? We love that, right? We love that. And then, of course, many of us, most of us have a thing called a smartphone, which smartphone took like a million different things and like put it in the palm of your hands because we love when we find the one thing that will simplify or solve or unlock many things. But here's my question for us this morning. Wouldn't it be nice if life had like one thing that would unlock everything? 
When, when, maybe more specifically, those that are uh, Christ followers, wouldn't it be nice if like, there was one thing that would unlock the rest of it? What if we could find one, that one thing that would simplify and clarify everything? How many, how many for some of us, you know, uh, we step into this relationship with Jesus, and sometimes it feels like, great, you said yes to Jesus, here's all the fine print you need to read to become what you need to be, Right? But what if we could find the one thing that would unlock everything? That's what I want to look at. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And as you're moving in that direction, I'm going to give some context for us to set us up where we are going. I hear a few page rustling out there, which makes me feel good. Uh, but however you get a copy of the scriptures, we want to encourage you to do that. Your phones, whatever that looks like. We have Bibles uh, for you. But John 13 uh, is an interesting. So John is a really interesting gospel in and of itself. So you have these gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They all kind of recorded events and their interactions and things that stood out to them about this person of Jesus. But what John did is that a, a, a big part of John's book it has to do with kind of the last days, hours, and weeks of Jesus' life. Like how, how many of you, you like a good documentary? Say yeah. Right, like, like we love, we get immersed in these stories and we love when they have like tapes and they documents, right? It just kind of adds to it. Well, here in John's gospel, he's recording kind of the last events and things and words that Jesus spoke towards the end. In fact, they actually have a term for it. It's called the upper room discourses. There's this section of scripture or literature in, in the in New Testament and it's called the upper room uh, discourses where we're looking at all the different pieces and stuff that Jesus said towards the end. Now, I want you to keep the context of the verse that we're about to read in mind. And the context is, is that John 13 happens that after Jesus has spent about three years with his disciples. Imagine spending three years with somebody and all of the stuff that they would have been taught. I mean, I believe that they would have discussed scripture at length. I mean, we only get a short, in fact, uh, if you read the Bible, there's a part in it that says if we, if we put everything in there about Jesus, there like, wouldn't be enough books to contain all of the information. So I believe there were all kinds of conversations about the law, about people, about relationships, about uh, politics, about all kinds of stuff in it. And they would have spent all of this, all of this time with Jesus. And, and here we are at the end of the three years, and Jesus is kind of kind of like give his last thoughts and ideas before he departs from them. So if you have John chapter 13, beginning in uh, verse 34, say, I got, I got it. All right. For everybody else, all you heathen out there, we'll have it on the scre- screen just for you. It says this. It says, Jesus says, Let me give you a new, what's that word? Command. Love one another. In the same way that I loved you, you love one another. This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. Now, wait a minute. What is Jesus doing here? Last week, if you'll recall, we talked about how when Jesus showed up, there was this thing called the law. Everybody say the law. Right, And the law was the Ten Commandments, and then built on top of that were 600 additional laws. And this was the thing that the people had to fulfill in order to be able to enter into God's kingdom. And for, for a lot of the people, they saw the law as something that was 
difficult to be able to try to do. In fact, there were these people called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they were like experts at it, but the people watched their lives. They looked at them, and it was, they were able to do these things, but it didn't really transform who they were. They were still kind of, you know, Nasty people at times. And so the people are looking at it and they're like, really? But Jesus shows up and I believe uh, many of the listeners were thinking, great, he's going to get rid of the law. He's going to get rid of this thing and let us all come in, right? It's going to be great. But Jesus shows up and he says, no, 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 no. Don't think that I came to abolish the law. Rather, I came to fulfill the law. And everybody been like, what? How are we going to be able to do that? But then he said, basically, if you want to enter into the kingdom, if you want to become new, then you have, to, you have to change what you think. You have to change what you thought that you knew. And as you change that, allow God to kind of reinterpret it, then we can be able to step into it. But in here, what we're looking at is that Jesus is adding another what? Command. Another commandment? Now, what does the word command mean? When you hear that, what, what, what does that mean? Yell that back to me. What is a command? Something you have to do. Okay, what else? The law. It's an order, right? It, it kind of has some weight. It kind of has some authority. If any of you have unfortunately ever uh, had to uh, interact with the law at all, and they gave you an order, is that a suggestion? No, right? That is like, if they say freeze, you better freeze, right? If, you, if they tell you to stop, you're like, you better stop because a command is like, a, it's, a, it's a word or it's a thing that's given from a place of authority. And so what Jesus is giving, he's giving a what? He's giving a command, meaning it's not a suggestion, meaning that it is not, it's not like a life hack. He's not saying like, hey, if you do it like this way, like it'll help you get to where you need to go. He says, no, a new command I give you. And what is that command? Three words. Love one another. Now, we need to pause for a moment. We need to, we need to unpack this word love. Because love is a word we use for everything, right? I love Starbucks coffee in the morning, right? I love my recliner that's at home, right? I love, you know, different things, right? You can go to New York, you buy a t-shirt that says, I heart New York. How can love be applied to all of these different things? So we need to, we need to unpack that for a moment. We need to ask this question. What kind of love, or like what brand, if I can use that word, what brand of love is Jesus referring to? Now, for a moment, pause. How many of our Bible students here today know the context for John 13? What happened earlier in John 13? The washing of the feet. So when Jesus says, love one another, he sa- what does he say in this? He says, he says, in the same way that I loved you, love one another. So how did Jesus love them? Well, an example that he gave was washing feet. Now, for a moment, many of us that have heard this, we romanticize Jesus washing feet. We think of it as this like beautiful moment. But have you ever looked at another person's feet before? How many of you have ever been to the beach before and you look down and it looks like there are talons on the end of somebody's feet, right? 
Oh, come, like, come on, right? Some of you are real nervous because maybe our feet don't look that great, right? But have you ever looked at a person's feet before? Our feet are so pampered today, right? We, we go to places and they, we get these like jacuzzis for our feet and they massage them and they like paint like stuff on them and, you know, our feet. But in their day, different situation. You see, we have shoes and socks and things that we wear. They would wear sandals, and they would walk everywhere, and they walked everywhere. There were no cars, right? It was a luxury to have an animal to, to get you to one place or the other. So they walked, and in their time, they did not have this thing that we call uh, plumbing, right? And so they are walking in everything. Imagine that for a moment. Now, it was very customary for the host to wash the guest's feet, but the host never did the job. The host would give that to the intern, right? He would give that away to the person uh, on the lowest uh, ring of the totem pole, But here we have Jesus, and he says, I'm going to show you the kind of love that I want you to love one another with. And he got down on that knee, and he got in front of all of his disciples, right? And he got the water basin. In fact, Peter had such a hard time with this, he refused to let Jesus wash his feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. And so he gets down and he washes everybody's feet. Now, who was there in the room? The disciples, including this person named Judas. And Judas, just for the cliff note version, ends up uh, selling Jesus for a, short, for a small amount of money, giving away the son of God, gives away the, the, the king that we just sang about, gives him away. Jesus even gets down and he washes, his, washes Judas's feet. But you see, we give Judas a hard time, and for sure we should, but do you know that everybody else in that room abandoned Jesus too? When, they need, when, when he was at the cross, and maybe he even needed his friends the most, there was crickets. Nobody was around. Yet Jesus got down, and he washed everybody's feet. Because what Jesus was demonstrating is this thing called a a humble and a sacrificial love where he wanted to demonstrate what that looked like. You know, um, my wife and I occasionally will have a disagreement, right? Occasionally we might get upset with one another. And can I... You're really surprised by that, right? Okay, it happens, right? It happens. Just like you and your relationships, you know, it might happen. Do you know what I have found? And it is, it is not easy to do. But do you know what I, because, and then when that happens, my Cros, uh, Crosby's wonderful person, uh, I just have always felt like the initiative to kind of like get the ball rolling. And what I have found to kind of, because that's not where I want to stay. You know what I mean? Those that have been in disagreement with people, like, you know, you butted heads. It's like, you don't want to stay there. But what I have found is that often, you know, both parties don't know how to get it moving again. What I have, okay, just, well, I guess the only one on that one. Okay, well, what I have found is that when I come to her, and even when I think and believe I am right, right, but I come to her and I say, hey, listen, I see your side of it. I'm sorry for the way that I have responded or what I have said. Do you know what happens? It's amazing. Almost every time, the wheels start to turn again. 
And what Jesus is showing us is that this is the way that I want you to love one another in a humble, in a sacrificial way. Do you know how many uh, ailments this would treat if we could love one another in this way, in our relationships? Now, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not saying go and be at somebody's doormat. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that in those areas where we have conflict and we have situations, if you will apply what Jesus is saying, it will move those wheels. It'll move you further. But this is the, the point of it is this is what Jesus, this is the type of love or the brand of love that Jesus is giving us, a sacrificial, a humble love. And here's the big idea this morning. I want to give it to you right away. I believe that love, love is the wallet ninja. I believe that love is that one thing that clarifies many things. I believe that love is the one thing that will unlock everything. In fact, the moment where we're going to look at is that I believe that Jesus reduces everything down to its simplest form, which is to love. But I believe that this is the secret to the kingdom of God, if there is a secret. You want to know what it looks like to, to be in God's favor? Do you want to know what it looks like to, to live that new life? Love. Love one another. Love is the thing that will unlock all the other things when you have love. Now, that being said, if that is true, then the opposite is true as well. That no love locks up everything. Let me demonstrate to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, how many of you know what 1 Corinthians 13 is? What is it? Love, baby. Right? You got to say it like that. It's love. It's the love chapter. Anybody that's ever been to a wedding before, there is a 50-50 chance that you have heard 1 Corinthians 13 because it's the, this beautiful um, expression and beautiful picture and image of what love is. But do you know what's interesting about wedding stuff is that they don't, they don't uh, read the first three verses. In the first three verses, look what it says here. This is the message translation I want to read from. This is Paul. He says, if I speak with human eloquence, if I speak super well and, and, with, and with angelic ecstasy, but I don't have love, he says, I'm, ooh, I'm nothing. But the sound of a creaky gate. How many of you love the sound of a rusty gate in the morning, right? I know that that's what you go to sleep on, right? Is a rusty gate. Continues. He says, if I speak God's word, think about this. I'm speaking God's word with power, revealing his mysteries and making everything plain as day. And if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. Nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Do you hear what Paul is saying? He's saying that without love, I am nothing. 
He doesn't say that you can accomplish nothing. He doesn't say that you can do nothing. He says that without love, I am nothing. I am reduced to nothing. Meaning that at 35 years old, all the sermons that I've preached, all the ways that I believe that I've been a help in people's life, all the faith that I've mustered in my own life, all the good over here that I've done, that if I don't have love, what Paul is saying is that I am nothing. I'm nothing. I don't know about you, but that's like kind of sobering. Because what it tells me is that it's possible to do all of these good things over here and it not amount to anything. Because what Paul says that without love, without love, I am nothing. You see, I believe that love will unlock everything and I also believe that when we don't have love, it will actually lock up everything for us. So then, that being said, what is love? Jesus gave, his, gave us his uh, example. Really, he, he demonstrated this. So what is love? Let's look what Paul has to say with the rest of 1 Corinthians 13. He says, love never gives up. Love, now what he's doing, there's a lot in here. There's 15 verbs. Just keep that in mind. There's 15 verbs that he's, like, he's playing off of to demonstrate or to show what love is. He says love cares more for others than for self. Woo. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. It takes pleasure when truth prevails. It puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. This is the definition, this is the picture of, of what Paul is showing us that is love. Now, how many of you, that sounds like an easy order, say yeah. Right, right, right? Now, what I think Paul is doing is he's showing us not only what it is, but then also what we can be. If he says without these things that we are nothing, then he's showing us how to get there even when we are not yet there. I, I shared uh, here recently that I've, I've, I have recently uh, become a big fan of this thing called CrossFit. Has anybody ever heard of CrossFit before? There's like two people. Okay, well, I'm too poor to have a CrossFit membership because it's expensive to do. And so what I have done is I've immersed myself uh, in the documentaries that are on Netflix. And then even there's like videos on YouTube that I'll watch and stuff. And you can put this photo up. What CrossFit is, they have this thing where they, they all these athletes and they'll compete, compete, compete. And they'll get down to this thing called the CrossFit Games. It's in uh, end of July, beginning of August. And if you win the CrossFit Games, you earn earn the title as the fittest man or woman on earth. Does that not sound amazing? Right? Some of you are like, yeah, that sounds like a dream. Right? Right? But, but whoever, when you, when you win this, you become the fittest person on earth. Now, I have 
No delusions about becoming the fittest man on the earth, right? That ship has sailed a long time ago, right? It's, and that ship was called McKinley and Ellie, right? It's all, it's all over for me. But, but I still want to become like fit. I want to be as fit as I possibly can be. And I have a, my, some of my reasons are not just vain. I don't want to just look good in the summertime, right? But I have other reasons. I, I lost my, my dad at 59. I lost my mother at 57 uh, to cancer. And, you know, who knows if their diet and exercise would have been a little bit better. You know, maybe their story would have, you know, turned out differently. So I have a, so that's one of the reasons that I want to do that. But to become the fit and become that person, I have to learn like all of these different techniques and ways to work out. In fact, uh, I, I, uh, because we don't, I don't have a CrossFit membership, I have been reduced down to my garage at my house. And I'm sure all my neighbors think that I'm nuts, right? Because like, here comes the guy doing this, right? What is this guy doing, right? And he's got dumbbells doing all kinds of weird stuff, right? But what I've learned is that as I learn these exercises and I do these different things, like not only do I get better at them, but I I find myself kind of getting more into the shape that I want to be. What I think Paul is doing here is he's showing us all the exercises so that we can become what we need to become. He, he lays out what God is looking at, what he's looking for. If Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you, and he has his picture, Paul is giving us then his picture of what that looks like with some really tangible ways that we can live that out. How many of you, we can do some of these things that we've saw, that we've read? Say yes. Right, right? Some of us can, can start to put these things into practice, you know, and, and the way that I love one another, you know what? I can, I can not strut unless you have a mean strut, right? I, I don't know. Like, like I, can, I, can, I, can, I can go a day without having a swelled head. I, I can think of others as better than myself. Like, you know, I can, I can want, you know, not want what I, don't, what I don't have. Like, I can start to practice these, some of these. And what I believe is as you start to move and practice some of these things, all of a sudden you start to take a step into this place that I believe God wants to get us, which is to love one another into this place. Turn to your neighbor and say, what does love have to do with it, right? What does love have to do with it? I believe that love makes us new. This whole conversation that we're having about what does it look like for me to become a new creation, there's a, there's a, pre, um, there's a pre-statement to that, which is everything, everything is based in being in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, that verse that we read earlier, I, I, I recited earlier, it says, uh, if anyone is in Christ, That is the prerequisite for any kind of change or transformation in your life. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, but it's based in being in Christ. But what I believe is that love is what makes us new. I believe as we are in Christ and we love one another, that is what enables us to become new, to step into that place. Now, here's the big question for us, and I want to end with this this morning. How do you do that? How do we, how do, how do we love one another? We get it. We see Jesus's example. It conjures up, you know, thoughts for us, you know, things. We see Paul. He gives us some, some stuff. What I want to, I want to, in the spirit of Jesus here, I want to reduce down what I think Jesus is saying so that we can have something that we can put in our pocket like the wallet ninja. 
And that's this. I believe what Jesus is saying is this. I believe that we are intended to divide it by love. Whatever it is, I believe that as we divide our life, divided by love is how we become new. As we divide our life by love, I believe is how we become new. I think that this is what Jesus reduced it all down to. I think that he took all of the 10 commandments. I think he took all of the 600 additional laws. And I I think he said, if you will divide your thoughts and your actions and your words, if you'll divide that by love, you'll be fulfilling the full requirement of the law. Now, we do this, of course, remember, in Christ. In in John 15, later in that uh, couple chapters later, he's going to talk about this whole image of he's the vine and we are the branches, so we have to be attached to him to be able to live out this life. But what I think Jesus is saying is divide it by love. Divide it by love. That thought that just popped into your head, divide it by love. The words that you want to say, oh man, guys, will you listen to me for a moment? Those that are married, I'm backing up a little bit, right? If before you say the thing that you want to say to your significant other, if you will take that, divide it by love, you will live a good life, right? Before you say it, if you'll divide it by love, that will lead you to a good place, I promise you. But I think what Jesus is saying is he's, he's getting it all down to this equation, and he's saying divide it by love, I just had a conversation with somebody from the, from the 9 a.m. service, you know, and, and, and you know, I, I realize what we do in here sometimes, it's like, oh, that's so great, pastor, sounds good, like, when can we go get those burritos you talked about, right? And we, and we move on, and, and, and it kind of like, you know, real life stuff doesn't really, let me just tell you, here's a gentleman, married, having issues with his, you know, with, with, with family, and wants everybody to get along, does that sound familiar to anybody else in the room, Right? Like once that doesn't know how to get there. I said, what would it look like to divide that by love? Your situation, your circumstance divided by love will get you the outcome you want. If you will, this is the only thing that we have control over. One of the fruits of the spirit is this thing called self-control. It's not spouse control. It doesn't say family control. It doesn't say coworker control. It doesn't say other driver on the 805 control. It says self control. Meaning that I'm the only one that can control how I'm going to respond to a situation. And what I think Jesus is saying when he says this love one another thing, if we will divide it by love, it will lead us to the result that we want to see. You can apply this in your marriage. You can apply this at work. You can apply this when you're in the car. You can apply this when you're in, with your children. Man, if you want the outcome, that desired outcome, if you'll divide it by love. But you know what is so fascinating about this passage? Jesus says, does Jesus say love, period? What's he say? Three words. Love, who? Who's the one another? Who? No, no, no. Let me hear this. Who is the one another he's referring to? He's not. He's talking to the church. He's talking to people that have made a decision to follow him. He's talking to the faith community. 
Yes, he's, re- he's specifically referring to the disciples that are in that room. Love one another. You see, we get this so backwards, us that are Christians, we think God wants me to love everyone, which means I have to love no one, right? We think everyone, I'm gonna love everyone. I'm gonna love the world. I'm gonna love people on death row. I'm gonna love people that are on skid row. I'm gonna love everybody. But we can't love the people that are in this room. There is no way you're loving them if you can't love them here. That's what Jesus is saying. Do you realize that was why it was so powerful what he said? Love the one another that's next to you. Love that one another. What he is saying, I believe, is when you will, if we, when you will live this way and divide it by love, you'll be fulfilling the full requirements of the law. This is what Jesus did for us. He took his life, divided it by love, and that is how we walk in the newness that is found in him. Oh, if we would get this. I want to sit here for a minute. If we would get this. Oh, the music is too loud at the church. The pastor yells too much. Oh, they don't do that. Boy, it would be nice to have this every now and then as a pastor. If you would divide it by love. Oh, my spouse, you don't understand. I told them, if I've told them once, I've told them a million times, do this thing, don't do this thing. Okay. How many of the million things are you doing that annoys them? Really quiet in here. (laughs) God takes all the things that you think are complex. He takes all of this. I think he reduces it down to this. You see, the reason Jesus or God has to lay out 10 commandments and 600 additional laws is because we're dense. Right? He can't just say love one another in the beginning. He has to go all the way back to kindergarten and say, okay, here's how we're going to love one another. First up, don't kill each other. That's your first step to loving one another. Don't kill each other. Here's another one. Don't cheat on each other. Here's another one. Don't lie to each other. Right, and all the parents know this one. Honor your mother and your father, right? Parents, that's like the only Ten Commandment we know, right? But he takes all of it because we're dense, and then they have to like spell it out more and more and more and more. You see, we look at the law, and we're like, ah, that's just human. That's just like bad and whatever. Do you know why they had to make that? Because we wouldn't love one another. Do you know why we have a million laws in America? Because we don't love one another. You could take every single law, driving, uh, all the laws, reduce it right down to this, and it would be this. If we would love one another the way that we would want to be loved, if we would love one another the way that we see found in Scripture, if we would do that, we wouldn't need laws. Can you imagine getting on the 805? You go! No, you go, right? Like, things are so good, right? (laughs) Reduces it down. Man, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be obnoxiously obvious with this sign because I think if you will live this out, if you will start to take your thoughts and your words and your actions before you think it, before you say it, 
before you do it and you divide it by love. And if it doesn't lead to love, then you shouldn't think it, say it, or do it. Like, like God's trying to get it all down. I mean, even Jesus, think about this. Three years with all of his disciples. He says, I'm gonna give you a new commandment. It's actually not new. Three words. Love one another. You ever have to take something that's really complex and make it simple? Anybody that has children? Anybody have children in the room? Say yeah, right? You, 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 can't, you can't explain complex things to little children, right? Your, your daughter's on the table. You can't, you can't say, honey, get off the table because you might fall. And if you fall, you might hit your head. And if you hit your head, we might have to take you to the doctor. And if we have to take you to the doctor, they might have to put stitches in your head. And if they have to put stitches in your head, daddy's going to get a, a piece of mail that says you owe $5,000 to the hospital, right? You don't say that. You say, get off the table, right? Get off the table. Jesus takes all of it. I get it. We talked about some crazy stuff, didn't we? I mean, I'm like God. So we talked about some high-level stuff. But let me reduce it down to one thing. If you will live this out, you'll get the rest of it. Love one another. Love one another. Let me finish with this. Band, you can come. Or I'm going to keep going, band. (laughs) The passage in in, uh, John 13, 34, 35, Jesus says something very, very interesting, doesn't it? Because Jesus is about to ascend. We sang that song. He's about to ascend to the heavens. He's about to go. He's done his work. He had descended. God had initiated grace towards us by sending Jesus. Jesus descended. He stepped away from his high position. He came as a lowly person. He descended, did his work amongst us created that, that way for us to access God, and then he ascends back to the heavens. And as he ascends, I think he answered a question many might have been asking in that room, is if our, if our rabbi isn't here, how will people know that we belong to you? If, if God, if you are not tangibly present in the world, how will people know that we belong to you? He says, great. Verse 35. I think it's the last one, please. This is how everyone's gonna recognize that you are mine. When they see the love that you have for each other. When they, when the world, you see, I get caught up in this too. We get caught up in all kinds of ways of how are we gonna reach people? You know, like, let's do an amazing marketing campaign. Okay, Let's do mailers, okay. Let's do social media, okay. Let's give away free burritos. I'm up for that one, right? How are we gonna reach people? You realize God's strategy is so simple? Because if we learn to love one another the way that we, if we even did half of what we see in the scripture, if we would approach one another with humility, and in a sacrificial way, nobody would even wonder who we were, right? Jesus says, if you will love each other this way, everyone's gonna know who you belong to because there's only one place where that love comes from. 
That's from our Heavenly Father. Let me pray for us this morning.